message by John Lux, convicted, inspired. Well, it's uh, kind of unusual, but again, we have another one of our foreign workers. Amy Miller, come on up here with me. <clears throat> that is sharing with us. And I really believe that there's an integration of the international vision that Jesus has for all nations and the local church that is critical for our maturity, for our worship, and for our community. That when we tie into what God is doing through in relationship by sending people to other countries, it changes our lives. It's not, we're not just giving money to something, someone over there, to some cause, but we're sending our heart. And uh, so thank you, Amy, for letting us be with you in yeah. this process. Amy's a gifted leader. She uh, has been a part of the life of this church for more than 10 years. Yeah, 12 and a half. 12 and a half. That's more than 10. <laughs> I had two semesters of calculus, so I can yep. make those Good calculations. Good job. And uh, she started out with a college ministry here, has, has been on multiple campuses in this center, city, sharing Jesus and discipling people. She is, uh, a couple of people have said she's one of the best disciplers this church has experienced. So she's gifted in, in pouring her life into others, and we are giving that life, Jesus, uh, to Cambodia. Amen. And praying for churches to be planted and people to be restored uh, that have come out of great brokenness in that culture. So let me pray for her. Will you join me? Thank you, Lord, for Amy Miller and the gift that she is here in the body. And we're asking for the depth of your word, the depth of her life message to come out today. This is part of her story. And we say, shape us with it. Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Thank you. Great. You like touched on all my insecurities this week because I was like, Danny did such an amazing job and John did such an amazing job. So um, hopefully I'm in the same realm. I, I, they've, they've done a phenomenal job. And so I'm, I, it's really an honor um, to be here this morning. And I mean, I'm here every Sunday morning, but um, to be here on this stage this Sunday morning. But um, if I could uh, kind of make this room into anything I'd want it to be right now as I'm speaking. I'm like, I want a big fireplace, and I want all to sit around the fireplace and have story time. That's kind of my heart this morning is, as I share kind of uh, my story and my journey, um, my hope and my prayer is that you, it would feel like family, because this is the family of God, and this is my family, and I, it's an honor really to be here this morning and to be able to share with you. So, um, my hope in sharing at my story is that you would recognize that God is in the process of rewriting stories so that, and using the dark and the hard parts of our story to actually uh, display his splendor and his glory in the earth. Um, some of you are familiar a little bit with my story, if you've known me, known me in the life journey of this church, and for some of you this is going to be new. So for hopefully for some of us it'll be a fun reminder, and then for others, I'm hoping it's a testimony of the faithfulness of God. Um, I, like Mark said, came to Boston uh, 12 and a half years ago uh, to go to Northeastern, go Huskies. Where are my Huskies at? Yeah, there you are. Okay. <laughs> awesome. And um, really, I had come to Jesus a couple years before college, and uh, really had no discipleship. I didn't really know what a life of faith really looked like. And 
I got here to this gym on my very first Sunday in Boston, which is a miracle. If you know where Northeastern is and where we are, it's not an easy place to find on public transportation, but somehow God had destined that I be a part of this church. And so I got here and never left. I fell in love with it. And really through that process early in college, my life was utterly transformed. I got caught up in the fact that God loves me and he has invited me on a great adventure with him. And I would say I describe that season as being lovesick and abandoned. And just this, God, you're so good and you love me so well. And I want to pour my life out for you. And I kind of got, got this stirring for the nations. I went on every missions trip we ever offered. And through that process, God began to stir this thing for the nations in my heart. And in 2007, I was on a trip to Juarez, Mexico. And we were freshly encountering God. And during those times, we would have a you know, a teaching in the morning, and then we'd go out and we'd minister. And towards the end of the week, and we were part of this teaching where it was kind of the go message. It was the, okay, where's God, where's God calling you? And the, the response or the call of the response at the front was, we just want to be where you are, Jesus. So why don't we come forward? Why don't we ask God, Jesus, where are you? I just want to be with you. So where are you? Processing that with God, I'm asking him, okay, God, where are you? I want to be where you are, Jesus. And in my mind's eye, I see this picture of a gathering of people, and I knew it at the time to be a group of college students, and there was somebody at the front, and they were calling out, they would say, who will go? Who will go to the nations? And in this room, one by one, I saw students stand up, and they said, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go. And more clearly than I've heard God ever, probably in my life, I felt God speak to my heart, and he said, Amy, you are actually going to see this picture. And until you do, I want you to stay in Boston, and I want you to train and equip college students to go to the nations. So I was like, God, you're faithful to your word. So I began to filter that my life through that word. So for the next five years, I was like, God, you're going to bring this picture to fruition. And so I came on staff with this church to love and serve college students. I was loving my life, getting to invest and see college students transform that same power and story that God had done in my life. Um, I said no to other options. There were other church plants. I wanted to go to the nations. And I said, no, God is saying Boston. He's saying Boston for now. And I was loving getting to see him transform this community and transform students and campuses. And then in 2010, I went to Cambodia for the first time. And I took, it was part of kind of that, that journey. So it's not just about college students transforming here, but it's college students transforming there. And so I said, why don't I take some of our college leaders? So I took a group of five of our college leaders, women, and we went to Cambodia. And we just saw, okay, scouted, what's God doing there? What's happening there? And for me, this was a watershed moment and trip. Um, I know now that God was searing these people in this place on my heart, Um, but just at the time I was overcome with the brokenness of humanity and also God's heart for restoration. And I remember whispering to God on this trip and I said, Jesus, I would love it if you would let me live here with you. So I came home and I went to our CFI leadership. CFI is our movement of churches, the river in Waltham, the harbor up on the North shore in Boston, CFCF here, as well as some of our other movements overseas. I went to our leadership, and I said, I believe this is our next church plant. It was ripe for the harvest, and God is wanting to do something. And in general, there was alignment around this. We were about to send out our team to Indonesia. We were looking for the next place, and they were like, yes, we believe that. Now, I did not at that time think that it was my call. 
I was called to college students and I was loving it, but I said, hey, I want to be, be a voice for this place and this location. Fast forward six months um, when I was approached by CFI to pioneer this church plant. They're looking around, they're saying, okay, well, who's going to do this? How about Amy? Um, so I began a process of prayer. When they asked me, I said, I mean, literally in my heart, I said, well, I'll pray, but God has told me no every other time. So I can pray, but I'm not sure that God's going to let me. Through that process of prayer, um, I got to this place where I said, oh, everything in my heart was longing to go. And I got to, it was a yes in all, you know, you like make your, I'm not a really big pros and cons list, but I made one. Like, okay, if I were to list out all the reasons why I think I should go, there we're all in the yes column. And then in the no column was this word about Boston. And I had, again, filtered it for five years. And I had said, God, I got to this place where I said, God, I will not abandon your word. You are faithful. You've proven yourself faithful to me over and over again. And so if you want to release me from this word, you need to speak that. So I continued to wait and pray. And World Mandate 2011, uh, so five, almost five years ago to the, to the day, um, I was in a place of asking God. I was saying, okay, God, I, everything lines up, but this word, God, what are you speaking and what are you saying? We got to Saturday night of the conference, and I had been the whole conference praying and praying for people and kind of doing different things. And Saturday night, I don't even remember what was said from the front. Um, I'm sure it was a great message. But I just was, I was literally in this space with God where I said, Lord, what, what, you need to speak to me. I need, I need a word. Um, and so I, you know, there was some sort of call from the front. We cleared out, I was literally in this gym. We cleared out the first three rows of chairs. I got right there on the floor. And I was like, I am not getting up from this place, God, until you speak to me. And I'm just laying out before God. And about 30 seconds later, whew, um, <laughs> sorry, okay, some water. Um, literally about 30 seconds later, Joy Phillips um, came over to me. Now, Joy had been my mentor and my disciple for many years. And her and Travis were my college pastors and had carried this word and this promise with me more than anybody else. And she said, Amy, Amy, you have to get up. And I'm thinking in my head, what? Do I have to pray for more people? Like, I literally am like, okay, like, what, what, what needs to happen? And she said, Amy, did you, she's like, I think, I think I just saw your word. And I looked up and all across this room right here, um, it was full. Like, it was, it was full of college students. And what I realized at that moment was Kurt Mailer was on the stage. He was inviting us and he, he gave the call that I had seen in my picture. He said, who wants a nation? Come and get your nation. And I looked around me, and the altar was full of students. To this day, it's still one of those years where everyone was like, I don't know why there are so many college students there. I don't know what God was doing, but it was probably four or five deep of just students responding to the call of God. And God highlighted, so I saw different people in that crowd, and people that I had invested in, people that I had gotten to walk life with, who were surrendering it all and saying, Jesus, I want your heart, and I want, your, I want to go to the nations. And clearer than, again, uh, one of those times where you're like, God definitely spoke. It wasn't audible, but it was close, where God said, Amy, I am the God who fulfills your dreams. And later, as I was processing with God, he said, Amy, you've been asking me to release you from this word, but I have been waiting to fulfill it so that I can release you. Yeah. Um, and um, 
You know, I knew at that point that the Lord was faithful to his promise. And I was released to pursue this call to Cambodia. I knew that I knew that I knew that God had made me for these people in this nation. Now, you are keeping track. That was five whole years ago. So obviously, everything did not go according to plan. So what happened? Well, we did a little jibing, and we did a little hoeing, and things shifted. Now, if you're not familiar with that language, jibe ho is a term that we've used to describe an initiative that we took as a church to plant the River Church and plant Antioch Tempe and plant a church in Indonesia, which was the move of God. God was doing some amazing things, but things shifted in that time. And um, it was kind of during that time that I was building this team. And through that process, I had um, a full team scheduled to go out the door in 2013. I was leading the team with another couple, and we went on a short-term trip. A group of us went on a short-term trip and realized on that trip that there were kind of several holes in our current team. And the structure and the, the, the roles on that team was not going to be the healthiest thing for the long term. So I came back and I decided, okay, I could just kind of let it slide and we can just go with this. Or I could potentially let our leadership know, hey, this doesn't feel healthy, this doesn't feel right, and potentially get this thing put on hold. Um, I, I decided I needed to bring it to the attention of my leaders. And although I felt like I could lead the team alone, those above me said, hey, we don't think this is the healthiest option for you or for the team. At that time, you know, I really felt, hey, that myself and our team honestly weren't valued or covered well in the process. And it led to a lot of people's lives being displaced and interrupted. And it was a really painful experience. Uh, I was immensely disappointed. I felt misunderstood, overlooked, and devastated. There had been many things, some in my control and some out of my control, that contributed to our team getting to this place. And honestly, I wasn't sure that I could continue being a part of this community. Um, The disappointment and the hurt was overwhelming. Um, But I had committed to being led by the whole, I was committed to being led by the Holy Spirit. Not by my emotions. And so I began seeking God. Um, I put all the options on the table, different ministries, different locations, um, different, different callings. And as I was praying through this, I'd gone a run one morning, and I stopped at um, the Starbucks in Soldier's Field to get a water, and I pulled out my phone and my Bible app, and I, it was, my daily reading was Luke 5, and I read in the Amplified on my, or I did at the time, read on the Amplified on my phone, and it's a story of Jesus calling his first disciples. And after a night of fishing, um, Jesus asked the disciples to try one more time, put out your, put out your nets again. So I'm going to put it up. Um, In the Amplified, it says, Master, we worked hard all night to the point of exhaustion and caught nothing in our nets. But at your word, I will do as you say and lower the nets again. When they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their nets were at the point of breaking. As I read this scripture, the Spirit of God came over me. I started weeping in Starbucks, which, if you know me, it's not that abnormal of an occurrence to be crying in the middle of a coffee shop in Boston. Um... But he spoke to my heart, and he said, Amy, I know you're tired, and I know you're hurt, but I'm asking you, not because other people think it's a good idea, not because you even want to, but on the ground of my word, would you try it again?
And the promise of that scripture is that the harvest is plentiful. So I said yes to God again. And that led me on a journey to continue to seek how to get to Cambodia with CFI. Learning and opening myself up to um, say, okay, God, send me wherever, um, wherever you want me to go. I ended up going to Waco, Texas, of all places. It's amazing. Waco, Texas, some great Mexican food. Um, uh, no, it was amazing. I learned a ton there, and I could, I could go off and do a whole sermon on all the things I learned. And, you know, yeah, um, I only have, you know, 20 minutes, so we're just not going to do that. But I, when I look at my time in Waco, overarchingly, it was a time where God, I look back, and what did you learn in Waco? I said, God restored my soul. Um, took the pain and the hurt and the frustration and was like a soothing balm over my heart and spoke to those places that I didn't think any, that no one else knew and said, I see you and I value you and changed my life, changed my heart to where I was bitter and hurt and angry and God did an amazing work. And so Zumeco and God restored my soul. And then we're like, let's send you to India and you can learn how to integrate anti-trafficking and church planting. I was like, okay, let's do that. And they're like, oh, course correction. We're going to go to the Dominican Republic and go and do it there. And um, didn't go to either of those places. Well, I've been to them, but I didn't go long-term to those. Um, And all the while, as I'm shifting and course correcting, I'm saying, God, I'm carrying your dream for Cambodia, even if nobody else is. And I had to learn to lay it down again and again and again. And, you know, I was tempted many times to pick it up myself and um, say, okay, I'm going to make this happen. But through brokenness, God led me to wait on him and teaching me that it is in surrender that I find the intimacy with God that I really long for. And about a year ago, the narrative changed. And I hit this point with God where he began saying, Amy, it's not all these other places. It's Cambodia, and it's now. And I had to go through a process of risk again with my leaders in our movement to put myself out there and say, okay, I think this is what God's saying. And I remember God asking me one morning, he said, Amy, what do you want? Just this very honest, Amy, what do you want? And I said, Lord, I want to lead a team to Cambodia. And he said, Amy, I want you to ask for what you want. And so I went in and I asked. And for years and years where there had been barriers and barriers and barriers, God had a clear path for me to run on. And those around me said with confidence, we believe in you and we believe with the dream on your heart, so go for it. And so here I am about a month (laughs) from launch and beyond grateful that we have a God who knows every small detail on the journey that brings and then ultimately brings glory to him. I know that I know that I know that God is faithful and that through the process, He takes the broken pieces and he makes them whole. Okay, so how does this story relate to you? It's just a fun story. I hope so. Um, But as I have walked through this journey and in recent months have begun to see um, the beginnings of the fruit and fulfillment, um, I have been recounting my story. I've been thinking about it. What has this last really five years been? And there's a lot of obvious pain and disappointment and at times felt forsaken and overlooked. But as I have walked through this process, I have seen the faithfulness of God at the very places of pain, and that is the most significant part of my testimony and my current understanding and revelation of who God is. These experiences, good, bad, and ugly, 
have been integrated or woven into who I am and what my story is. So my question for you is, what is your story? We each have a unique story that God chooses to reveal himself through. But I also want to submit to you that we collectively, as the body of Christ, have a story. And so I want you guys, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Isaiah 61. If not, it's going to be up on your screen. All right, read this. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. So we often read this passage, or at least I often read this passage, when I'm about to go on a missions trip or do some sort of ministry, and I'm speaking it almost to us or to myself. Like, I have the spirit of the sovereign Lord on me to bind up the brokenhearted and free captives, which is true. Jesus gives us his spirit. But today I want us to read it through the lens that Jesus himself read it in Luke 4. He read it in the synagogue, and he said, as he read this, he said, this is fulfilled in, in me. As I read this today, this is fulfilled. He spoke it about himself, about us. Do you see yourselves as the poor, the brokenhearted, the captive? Do you identify with the places in your story, past or present, where you have had some ashes, mourning, or despair? Now, I don't know if you've opened a newspaper recently or read a blog or turned on the TV, but spoiler alert, the world, it's not looking good. These are the top news articles, according to Time, from 2015. Terrorist attacks in Paris, three different massive plane crashes, racial tensions at an all-time high since the 1960s, there's a massive European refugee crisis that's turning the world upside down, and there's multiple mass shootings in our nation. There is a no more pertinent time for the story of God to unfold and be revealed in our world. Everyone is asking, what is wrong with the world and what can be done? We are suffering from an absence of hope and a lack of understanding of true goodness and righteousness. The world is poor, brokenhearted, and captive, and they long for beauty, joy, and hope. If you have been here at CSCF for any length of time, including this morning, is your first time, you know that we believe in proclaiming Jesus. I want to submit to you guys that this is the story, your story, your individual story with God is how you proclaim Jesus to the world. Do you see others as poor, brokenhearted, and captive? Or do you see yourself? Do you identify and embrace your own brokenness and recognize that how God has rewritten your story? Proclaiming Jesus to the world is not found in just the four spiritual laws and a rote presentation of how good the life is, although it is. The world needs to know where you came from. 
that you see your, that you yourself were poor, brokenhearted, captive, and God has rewritten your story. That there is an answer to the current state that they find themselves in. The exchange that God has given you, beauty for ashes, joy for mourning, praise instead of despair, freedom instead of bondage, security instead of fear, destiny instead of purposelessness, victor instead of victim, you fill in the blank for your own story. That exchange is what the world needs to know is possible and achievable. So I want to go back to our scripture real quick, to the very end part of it. Starting in the end of verse 3, it says, They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. The they that they refer to are not those people out there. They're these people in here. There are those that are captive, brokenhearted, and poor. But there's a greater call. For those of us that have been transformed, and once that exchange is made, we are to be oaks of righteousness. We are the called to be the display of his splendor. And we are called to rebuild, restore, and renew. God rewrites your story so that you yourself are actually the display of his splendor. To point to the world around you full of hopelessness, devastation, pain, and suffering, and say there is a God who can and will rewrite your story. 2 Corinthians 3.18, I'm going to put it up there, but I'm going to also paraphrase it. It says, as we look at his glory, we are transformed into his image, and we display his glory. We are made to look like him and reflect that glory to the world suffering from a void of goodness and righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5 says that we are Christ's ambassadors, as though God was making his appeal through us. We ask, we, ambassadors in general are meant to broker peace between two different parties. As we have been reconciled, we are able to extend that grace and invite them to that place of peace. In Isaiah 61, when Isaiah originally wrote this, of course he was speaking of the one to come. But when Jesus read this, in Luke 4, and he said, this is fulfilled in your hearing, it was only because through Jesus are things able to be rebuilt, restored, and renewed. But now that Jesus has come, this is the gospel. We are given the keys to the kingdom as followers of Christ, given the great privilege to rebuild, restore, and renew the world around us. For me, as I head to Cambodia, I carry with me a testimony that God can take pain, disillusionment, disappointment, hurt, and surrender, and turn it into a story of hope, restoration, and faithfulness. And that becomes my greatest tool in bringing hope to those that I encounter. I become the display of his splendor, and I'm made to rebuild, restore, and renew. So I ask you again, what is your story? What is the part that has been rewritten? What part are you in the middle of right now that you need God to restore or rebuild? Where do you need to press into those ashes and to trust him to bring beauty? Where do you need to embrace the pain and vulnerability of your story and ask God to exchange it so you can show his splendor to those around me? I'm going to invite the band up.
Um, we've worked a good um, 15 minutes of response in here, maybe a little bit more. I just want us to soak in Jesus for a minute, reflect on our stories, ask God to show us where are the, where are the places of victory, where's the exchange been made, does God need to make a current exchange? And really ask him to speak on those things and to cause you to become the display of his splendor. Um, I'm gonna, we're going to open up the front. If you'd like to come forward, you can. Feel free to come um, kneel before Jesus and ask him to speak to those things. You can also res- obviously respond in your, in your chair. I'm going to ask us to stand up, and I'm going to pray for us. Elizabeth Elliot said, one thing I am sure of, God's story never ends with ashes. And so God, we thank you, Jesus, that you are the one, God, who brings beauty from ashes, God, who causes our mourning to turn into joy, God. Lord, I ask across this room, God, that you would highlight our stories, God, the stories of your grace, the stories of your faithfulness, the stories of your victory, God, that we would know those things, Jesus, and that they would transform us, that people would see it, God, that we would be the answer, God, to the hurting and the groanings of the world, Jesus, and that you would use us, God, to display your splendor in the earth, God. Come, Lord Jesus, we invite you here, Holy Spirit, to come and minister to us. In Jesus' name, please feel free to come forward at any time.